Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, a station that only broadcasts Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Torirut, Divrei Halacha, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Alvaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about Parashah, we read, we read yesterday, Parashah Vayigash. <coughs> it starts with Vayigash Elav Yehuda. Yehuda approached the viceroy of the king, meaning Yosef at Sadiq. Now imagine, if you can, this huge room with uh, Yosef sitting almost like a, on a chair on a throne with gods all around. And the brothers were perhaps somewhat a little bit far away, talking to the interpreter. The interpreter would talk to the uh, to Yosef at Sadiq. And then all of a sudden, Yehuda says, "No, not he's going to get closer. Going to get closer." And now, Yehuda made a brilliant speech, no question about it. Very eloquent. Question comes up. Why all of a sudden now Yehuda approaches him to talk to him? If he's such a great lawyer, a great defense lawyer, a great orator, why didn't he try his expertise before? Why just now? Well, the answer is very simple. The answer to that is very simple. Because up until now, they were thinking, the brothers were thinking, well, they're being punished for the sale of Yosef at Sadiq. So therefore, whatever it is, that, that's the punishment. But now, who is the one that's staying as a slave? Binyamin. And they, according to Yosef, they said, you can go back. You can go back home. Only Binyamin stays here. Oh, that against reason. Because Binyamin was not at the sale at all. So why is Binyamin being punished? Something is wrong. That's why Vayigash Yehuda. Now is the time. Let's see what happened before. What happened before was that uh, Yosef at Sadiq, he told uh, one of his uh, servants, take the silver cup that he has, a special one he uses for what they call divinity, in other words, divination, I should say. Nahesh, uh, he, he's like, uh, can foretell the future with it. So he uh, sends someone, uh, first he puts it in the sack of Binyamin, and as they leave, he sends someone, go after them, and tell them that they've, uh, they've stolen my uh, very precious silver cup. He goes after them, he reaches them, he catches them. He says, hey, wait a minute here. You know, how could you be, you know, so so shameful? Uh, look, listen, uh, we, we treated you so nicely. And, and now you're taking and you're stealing the silver cup of, of our master? How could you do that? So what does Yehuda say? He says, that can't be. He said, look, he uses logic, a calva homer he uses. He says, look, the money that 
we had from before, we brought back to you. So how much more so that we wouldn't at all steal anything, even the money that we could have, we could have uh, taken it, but we brought it back because we're honest people. So how can you possibly uh, tell us that we're stealing from you? And then he passes the sentence himself. Well, the, the brothers pass the sentence. And they say, well, whoever has the cup deserves to death. And the others will be slaves. What does the servant answer back? He says, What you're saying is correct. Then he changes his no. Only the one that has stolen the silver cup will be a slave. Not killed, just a slave. And you, you can go back home. So what does that mean, Kedibrechem ken who? First they say, whatever you, you know, Kedibrechem, as you said, that's the way it should be. Then he changes his mind, he says, no. Nobody's getting killed, only the one that stole is going to stay as a slave, and you can go back home. What Kedibrechem ken who means the following. You have made a difference between the one that stole and the ones that was just with him. Well, this difference between the one that stole and the, and the others, that is correct. There should be a difference. However, the punishment is not like as you say. The difference is there, but the punishment will be as the, uh, like, like this. The one that stole will be the slave, you can go back home. Of course, when they heard back, they came right back. And they came to uh, Yosef at Sadiq. And this is where, uh, this is where uh, uh, Yehuda now was responsible because he is sort of like, it was a guarantee to bring it back. What is his defense? I mean, okay, he was framed, right? It's true. But if you notice, Yehuda never said anything about he was framed. That, hey, this guy is not, Benjamin, he's not a ganab. He's not a thief. He didn't say it like that. No. The evidence was there. So what's he doing? He's pleading for mercy. He's pleading for mercy. Essentially, he said two things. One, he said, look, if you punish Binyamin, you're going to be punishing someone else, meaning the father. If this, if, if the, our brother Binyamin doesn't go back, our father may die from uh, the anxiety and, and, and from the pain. So therefore, you know, you're doing two things here. If you're punishing him, you're punishing somebody else at the same time. This is, uh, I guess, uh, will this be acceptable in a court of law today, in the Beit Mishpat? I, I, that's not, uh, I'm not so sure either. But we do know that HaKadosh Baruch when he does punish someone, he looks at all the consequences. Asur Tamim Paolo. He looks at everything. So Yosef, Perhaps, you know, maybe he figured, maybe the, the, this man is, uh, 
is a tzaddik, is pleading for mercy, and he's asking him, perhaps, you know, uh, since you're going to be punishing someone else, do something else. So what, what does he propose? He says, look, let me stay instead of him. I'll stay, I'll stay instead of him. You know, I'm, I'm stronger, I'm older, I'm stronger, I'm better. Now you might say, what kind of a defense is this? What do you mean? If someone is a burglar and he's convicted and his brother comes and he says, you know what? Punish me instead of, uh, instead of my brother. Uh, I know which judge is going to take that. Oh, look, I'm not going to punish you. You did nothing. I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. He did. He's supposed to be punished, not you. So what is behind the logic of Yehuda here? Well, we might say the following. You know, there are two kinds of thieves. There's a thief that goes and steals because he has no choice. A person, for example, has nothing to eat. He's starving. He goes to a bakery and he steals a loaf of bread. Is he a thief? Yeah. Does he, does he deserve to be punished? Yeah. But we can understand that. But someone that is wealthy or someone that can afford to buy the bread and he goes and steals, there is really no reason for that. that, that that's, that's a real, real burglary. And he certainly uh, deserves punishment. No question about it. I think what Yehuda is saying is the following. We, Baruch Hashem, now we have what we need. We're people of means. Uh, 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 our brother Benjamin is not the kind of fee that needs to do so. We have. So we, that means, hey, he's a real thief. If he had stolen because there's something, something we need, we can't afford it, fine. Then uh, that's one thing. But he, we, we can afford this. We're people of means. That means a real thief. Why would you take in a real thief to be your servant, to be a slave to you? You don't want that. Take me. I haven't stolen anything. I'm okay. I'm an honest man. I'm stronger. Why don't you take me? This perhaps was the logic behind it. Now, after this, Yosef Sadiq could not take it any longer. And he actually told them, Ani Yosef Ahichem, I am Yosef, your brother, and don't worry. Uh, this came from, from Hashem. It was, this whole plan was orchestrated from HaKadosh Baruch Hu so that I can take care of you. Maharu va'alu elabi. Go. I'm going to give you a lot of carriages. I'm going to give you everything that you need. And I want you to tell our father. Tell him, look how, the, the kind of position I have over here. I have the keys you know, to all the warehouses of food. You'll never lack anything. Come, bring everybody. Don't even worry about what you leave behind. Because you have here the best of the land of Egypt here. It's all in front of you. 
You don't have to worry about a thing. But then, fine, they go. They tell the father. Yaakov Avinu obviously is extremely uh, in, uh, uh, happy and, and, and enjoyed by what he is, by the good news. And what do they do first? Yaakov Avinu says to Yehuda, you go first. He sent Yehuda first. Lehorot. What does Lehorot mean? Generally speaking, this word means to instruct. But you know, the letters of Lehorot also can be read as if you ex somehow, uh, uh, you know, exchange them here and there, it comes out La Torah. Lehorot, same letters as La Torah. Meaning that the Midrash says, Yaakov Avinu told Yehuda, you go ahead and set up a yeshiva over there. Set up a place where you can teach the children. Lehorot. Now, why was it so necessary to ask Yehuda to go first? Wouldn't it be better they all come together and they look around and they find something suitable? And they use it for a bit midrash. No, Yaakov Avinu wanted Yehuda to go right away and set up the bit midrash. What's the idea behind this? In order to, uh, to answer this question, I'm going to ask another question, and the answer will be for both. Last week was Hanukkah. We all know what happened during Hanukkah. The uh, Hashmonaim fought the Greeks valiantly and they came to the temple, the Beit HaMikdash. Now, the Beit HaMikdash at the time was Tameh. Everything was Tameh in there. The Greeks, they, they defiled everything. A miracle happened and they found one jug of oil that was Tahor. Right? On top of that, there was another miracle that they lasted for another seven days. Why was that miracle necessary? This is a question that has been asked by uh, many Mifarshim. What do I mean? I mean the following. We have a principle. Tum'ah, hutra, batsibu. Meaning, if the majority of the Jews at the time would be tameh, and they were because they were fighting wars, there were dead people all around. They were Tameh-Emetim, pretty much, uh, a lot of them, the majority were. So we said, Tum'ah Hutra Batsibur, being that they were Tameh, then they are allowed to light up the menorah with an oil, even if the oil is not Tahor. They're allowed to. Why was it necessary to have a miracle? Hashem decided, despite the fact that they could use this uh, the oil that's not tahor, still, he's, Hashem decided it's going to be a miracle. Why? Rabbi Yonatan uh, Ipschutz, in his Sefer Ya'arot Devash, he says a general principle. He says what counts most is the beginning of an event. When you start something, the course of action you take at the beginning 
It's extremely important because it defines what's going to happen in the future. And this is true for almost any any venture, any event. You you, you uh, set up a bit Knesset. The way you start running the Beit Knesset, the first couple of months, that's the way it's going to be. A couple, for example, gets married. The way they're going to be behaving their home, if they have the mezuzah on the door, and right away they're starting being Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Kashrut, Shomer Tahara Mishpacha, that's the way they're going to stay. The beginning defines the course of action that's going to be followed in the future. And that's extremely important. So Hashem saw to it that even though they could use oil, that's not uh, uh, that's not tahor. But Hashem said, no, this is the beginning. The temple had been defiled for many years. Now they are ready, a new dedication now, a new beginning now. Hashem didn't want this beginning to be uh, with, with oil that is Tameh. So he made it that the oil would be oil Tahor. This is the same thing with Yehuda. This is the beginning. Yaakov Avinu wanted to make sure that this beginning is going to be the proper way. He sends him first. Go, make sure that you have a, uh, uh, a, a bit midrash for the children right away. Let's not wait because the way it's going to be now at the beginning, that's the way it's going to stay for the many, many years to come. And that's why he sent them right away. Now, we have a, a, a similar situation in Pirkei Avot. Rabban Yohanan Mezakai he had Hamisha uh, Talmidim Hayulu. He had five great Talmidim Hachamim, all Tanaim, all great sages. And it says in the Mishnah, Hu Haya Mone Shebahan, that he had praises for each one separately, meaning each one. Excelled in a certain way. Rabbi Yelazer ben Hurkanus bore such enormous abetipa. Rabbi Yelazer Hurkanus was a, a, a sage with a tremendous memory, and tremendous memory that he he never forgot anything. Anything that went in stayed in. Nothing went out. That's a, that's a, a really a, a beautiful praise. Well, so Rabbi Yossi was Hasid, pious man. Rabbi Shimon ben Netanel, Yerehet, it was a man that feared uh, sin. He had great fear from sinning. Rabbi Yossi ben Anach, Ma'ayan amit Gaber, like a spring that keeps going more stronger and stronger. Then the last one, Rabbi Yeshua Ashrei Yolato. The praise that he had for Rabbi Yeshua is, fortunate is the mother that gave birth to him. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute here. Is Rabbi Yochanan Mizraka giving a praise 
to the hachamim themselves or the praise to the mother. Now, all the other four, he praised them person, personally. He is praising the mother. Why? The Mfashim say, because of the beginning. The beginning is very important. The reason why Rabbi Yushua was zochet to such greatness when Rabbi Yushua was born, as an infant, his mother would take him to the Bet Midrash every single day to listen to the words of the Torah from the Hachamim. Of course, an infant doesn't understand anything, but somehow the words go into the ear, even if he doesn't understand, and it grows with it. They give her a, a recognition and praise for uh, having such a great Talmud Hakam as him, because the beginning is very important. Rabotai, let me digress a little bit to show you something interesting. And here in America, the uh, original pilgrims, what they call the Mayflower pilgrims, in the year 1620, these people were not Jewish. But they had a tremendous love for the Bible. And that includes the Old Testament. They were religious in their religion, and they studied the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament is what we call the Tanakh. They were fascinated with the Hebrew language. Why they, they, they felt the Hebrew language was a, um, a language that was holy, that was spoken by Hashem, by God, uh, by the prophets, by, by, by the angels. So when they came in, they wanted to sort of institute a language that they would be speaking all the time. And they thought to establish Hebrew as the official language. And they took a vote on it. And according to reports from history, the Hebrew language lost by one vote. One vote. Now, let, let, let's, let, let me say something else. During the War of Independence in 1776, George Washington was fighting the British. Finally, after they chased out the British, then, then the Americans, uh, that is George Washington and all the senators, and they, they, they hated the British. And they wanted to cut toys on the British altogether, including the language. They didn't want to stay with the English language. Imagine. Many people don't know this. They wanted to change the language from English to something else. To what? So according to history, they had three languages that were on top of the list. One of them was Hebrew. Believe it or not, Hebrew. The other one was French. The other one was German. Well, if that was the beginning, had they chosen the Hebrew language? Then every morning when you put your radio on, 
you're going to hear the announcer say, not good morning, but Boker Tov. But it didn't work out that way. But just to show you that beginnings very important. Well, look, even in Eretz Israel, they also had a problem with the language. Did you know that Theodore Herzl, for example, he wanted to establish uh, 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 German as the language. Why? Because at the time, most of the people that were working for Eretz they were Ashkenazim, the Ashkenazim spoke Yiddish, and Yiddish is mostly German. But that didn't go. They didn't, didn't accept it. But then they decided at the end it was going to be Hebrew. But then there was still a problem. Is it Hebrew the way the Ashkenaz people speak it? Or is it Hebrew the way the Sephardim speak it? As it turned out, they chose the Sephardic pronunciation. And that was the beginning. And from there on, that's it. Once you establish something at the beginning, that's how it stays. Abutai, there's a big lesson to learn from here. And the lesson is, if you have a son or a daughter that are getting married, right away, at the very beginning, as they establish a new home, that's the beginning. That's where you have to be very careful, very encouraging, and trying to, to talk them into the basic ways of maintaining a Jewish home. Very important. Your son becomes a bar mitzvah. Don't neglect. Every day after that, let him pour on tefillin every single morning. Why? Because once he starts that way, chances are he will continue that way. And the same thing with the bit midrash, the same thing with the bit knesset. You start a way where that's the way it's going to continue. So we hope and pray that every time we start something, could be even a business or any adventure, if we start it the proper way, that's the way it's going to stay. And if we start every beginning the proper way, we certainly will deserve to have our Mashiach Sitkenu coming very, very fast. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Tov. I want to remind you about this, this uh, station, please. It's a great station. We need it to stay. It only lives with your contribution. If you can afford, please make an attempt to give as much as you can to support this great station. Also, as you know, we've just opened up our Social Hall now, it's, uh, it's really stunning. And uh, we're accepting already uh, 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 reservations for all kinds of semahot, uh, Brit Milab, Mitzvah, weddings, Pinyon uh, Ben, and so on. We're accepting already. Uh, it would pay for you just to come and take a look at it. It's really beautiful. And we hope that if you do have a simhah, please come, look, look, look us up. You, you won't be disappointed. Shavuatov.